How are we doing? I feel like I'm losing my voice already. How are you guys? Are you losing your voices? It's not a real Easter if you don't. Great job, worship team. Come on, somebody. Give the worship people a love. You know, it's been quite a journey the last couple of years. I don't know what... Have you guys heard of COVID? Two years ago, we did... Um... We did Easter in a parking lot. We asked, I was talking to Scott, we can't remember how many parking lots we asked for, but they were afraid of a COVID outbreak in a parking lot. And we got like one in town. And we put an LED wall. Now we own one actually, which is cool. But we put an LED wall up in a parking lot and did like an Easter drive-in. And people were like angry because we didn't social distance cars. <laughs> we can't laugh about it now a little bit. And I uh, remember we got called into AHS before we did that, setting up in the cold from a person in an apartment four blocks away. Last uh, Easter, it was uh, we were in a 15% capacity lockdown, and somebody, um, well-meaning church person, I assume, <laughs> decided to call AHS on us again that week. So that was fun. I'm just glad that we're kind of back to life where I don't care what the local health inspector. <laughs> Come on, somebody say amen. Help me preach this. This is my favorite Easter. All that to say, this is my favorite Easter to see what God is doing. Um, I have a sermon today called Seven Mile. Like Eminem, Eight Mile, but this is better. The, um, some of y'all are like, who's Eminem? You're in the wrong church. Okay. Um, we have a street party after that we want you to come out and we, there's a petting, there's all sorts of, you're here, you know, it's here. I don't have to sell it to you guys. Um, you know, leading people during this time was uh, super re rewarding. Mayor, Mayor Peter, was it a rewarding time to lead people? Yeah. Um, everybody say hi to Mayor Peter, would you? It's been a challenging time. You know, the mayor said some words that have touched my heart a long time ago. Probably the most powerful words I've ever heard a mayor say. He said, he said, and then this went through my mind. He said, oh God, don't let me die in this outhouse. And uh, he was in an outhouse race, uh, I think pushed by firemen, right? I thank you fire department for just about killing our mayor when the whole thing went sideways. And so that's a powerful statement right there. So... A wise mayor. Thank you, Mayor Peter, for being here. <laughs> Here's to keeping low expectations. Like, God, just let me die and not in an outhouse. Um, no, we honor you, and it's been a difficult time. But thank you for leading our city. And, and uh, hey, Venue Church, there's something else very exciting. Now, thank you. We, we do honor you. Thank you. Um, Venue Church, we get to baptize about, I think it's 30 people. I, I don't know what the number is now. In about two weeks' time, you're going to want to come. You're going to want to just come to church, I think, uh, now. Uh, from now on. How does that sound? Um, I'm going to get right into the text here uh, in John 20 early on Sunday morning Just hang out there for a sec, Sean. Uh, early on Sunday morning while it was still dark um, While it was still dark. Do you have, like there's a 6 a.m. Two. I know what y'all were saying during COVID. I'm like I work just as hard from home It's all PJs on the bottom and business on top, guys. Come on, we're not stupid. Mary, Mary Magdalene, while it was still dark, came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, Simon Peter, like Simon Peter was not the guy, I guess, that Jesus loved. 
Anybody got any favorite kids? Don't put your hand up. Um, The one whom Jesus loved. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. And um, some people, you know, you're here. This is a celebration. Uh, It drove you to the house of God, God's goodness, what he's done for you. Maybe the street party. Maybe Alan the alpaca. That's going to be, I don't know what drove you to church today, but some of you, your story is more like Mary Magdalene. It says in the scriptures that Jesus cast seven demons out from inside of her. So it's one thing to fight the devil from without, you know, people do stuff to you and that hurts, but to fight this devil inside of you and Jesus cast seven demons out and she comes to the tomb, uh, the garden of the tomb on Sunday morning. And here's the deal. She, she's never read the resurrection story. And I want to say to somebody here, no matter what you're facing, you just haven't read your resurrection story. Yeah. You don't know the end of this. You just haven't read the end of it. And she comes and she's in a bad spot. She goes, uh, the person who saved me from this torment and this fear and the regrets, the person who saved me from my sin, he's in that tomb and my protector is dead. And I don't know if I'm facing going back to where I came from. Thanks, Sean. I don't know what brought you here to church today, but that might be somebody's story. It says Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. You know, I love the word of God, how there's this like super dead serious moment. And then, and then because guys are involved in the story, if I'm Mary and I'm reading this later, I'm like, I'm considering like going back on drugs right now. And like, I'm considering like, she's like, I don't know if the devil's coming back. I don't know if my life is going to fall to pieces. And you idiots write about a race that you had. Come on, you don't have to live with men. You get to say amen, Benny Church. Come on, ladies. Let me just explain this. This is a little bit odd here because it says the disciple whom Jesus loved and like Peter and the other disciple. Now we know afterwards that John who penned this scripture is that disciple, but maybe he was too humble to slip his name in there. So instead he's like, there was this other guy, the one that Jesus loved. And like, and Mary was having a bad day and the tomb is empty and it's a big deal. And you know, but Peter and I, we, we raced and I won. It says, uh, John got there first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Uh, Interesting. I think some of you have been skirting Christianity and skirting a relationship with God. You have somewhat of something, but here's what I would say. You can, you can stoop low enough to look in, but you got to go a little lower to get in. And so I feel like it says, uh, Simon Peter arrived and he got no shame. He just like finish lines inside doofus like I win I feel like you know what if you dive in that tomb you know you're gonna scrape you're gonna get scraped up a little bit but you got to go a little bit lower to get in it and uh, it says he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings now they're thinking like grave robbers they're not thinking Jesus has risen so like you know the story right they don't know the story in the middle of the story and they're like somebody has a meticulous grave robber has taken the body and then carefully folded. Some of y'all, you're so fussy with details. And that's why we need you at Venue Church. Because you will literally steal bodies and 
fold up the headpieces all nice and neat. Where's he going with this? I don't know. Um, says they still didn't understand the, the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. And then it says something that's very important. It says, then they went home. Then they went home. I hope you don't come today and get right up to the garden of the tomb and then just go home. I heard so many times in COVID, I've said so many times, I just want things to go back to the way that they were. And I got thinking about it. Go back to the thing, way that things were. We have an affluent nation that completely ignored its creator and its savior. People driving on the street and living beside us and our own hearts, we get distracted with what? Netflix? Like there's some good shows on Netflix. No, there's not. It's just like, go back to normal. Go back to what? Spending everything on ourselves and forgetting about the poor? Go back to what? To normal. To normal, like ignoring the presence of God? In society then they went home now here's the thing Mary didn't go because I think that that the tomb was a safer place than her own home was maybe yeah I think they go home like maybe they have a place to go to but there's somebody beside you that home is where the regret is home is where the pain is home is where the fear is home is where the and it was safer for her and it's safer for somebody by the tomb than it is at home. She was standing outside the tomb crying as she wept. She stooped and looked in just one more time. There's something powerful about that. Just one more. I just like, I'm just one more time. Somebody's just one more time. Just look in. Somebody just one more time. Just look in church. Just one more time. She saw two white robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied. I don't know where they put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. I learned in the last two years that I wasn't self-aware. You know how I know? Because I kept telling myself I was self-aware. How would you know? There's one thing to not brag about. That you would be the last one to know if you were not self. Well, there's, there's this unawareness of Jesus with Mary. She had cooked for him and eaten with him and out of her influence and wealth provided for him. She had gone to church with. She had hung out with. She had cried with. She had. And uh, Jesus was actually here right now, but she's not expecting him there. I think God was going to open somebody's eyes that in these past years, he was actually there. But watch this, watch this. She thought he was the gardener. The gardener. Just the pool guy. You know? The gardener. I could preach a whole series about this. I mean, people come in and they think Christianity is for, I don't know, like, People who just mentally aren't there and need a crutch or something. I'm like, I feel like it was worse than a crutch. I feel like we had a problem called sin and the eternal separation from God. Like, I feel like I was much in much worse shape than needing crutches. But, and then you sit there and like, well, it's not, it's for the unintelligent. I'm like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Jesus can be that close and we think he's the gardener. You know, she's not right, but she's not wrong. Watch, watch. 
He was the gardener of Eden. He created a garden, put Adam and Eve in it. Every night he would come down and walk with him, the gardener of Eden. Every night he would come down and check on the progress and check on the relationship and check on the connection and check on. Uh, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane where he reversed the curse that Adam and Eve said to God, hey, not your way, but my way. Not you, but us. Not you, but him. And gave the world to the devil and gave ourselves and adopted us into a different family. And Jesus in the garden of Eden, he's like, not, not my will, mankind, but your will, oh God, be done. He reverses the curse two times the gardener. He is at the garden of the three times the gardener, three times pays for all. Say amen, venue church. Mary, Jesus said, sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. Mary, Jesus said, I feel like God is going to call somebody's name today. Have you ever um, been affected by something that you haven't seen coming? I haven't this time. I don't know about you. I, I was pretty good at predicting like societal trends and people. And uh, I'll tell you the last two years, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on in your heads. I'm like, are, is this where we're at? I don't know who I'm preaching to. I don't know what's going on in the world anymore. I mean, to, to be completely shocked by something that nobody saw coming. And uh, I think that those are the shocks that somebody with my personality type hates the most. Just this like total shock of, of something. Have you ever been affected by something that you haven't even seen coming? See, there's this, nature, this human nature and control of like, okay, God, I want this relationship with you, but I want to control it too. And God's like, well, that doesn't work with somebody like me. Like either I'm God or you're God or, but he shows up in these unexpected places that we just don't really understand. You know, I had a friend named Andy and, and, uh, Andy was like, Andy had no filter. And sometimes when you're not doing well, you need to hang out with like an Andy who's not doing, who's really not doing well. You know, Andy was, Andy, they, they, um, he was my kind of my dad's friend. And I grew up with his kids and, uh, his wife Pearl planned a, a 50th birthday party for him. And it was a surprise. So <laughs> you got to get this. We drive up, long driveway. Uh, I drive up, there's cars everywhere. And I drive up and park in the driveway. I'm like, where do you want me to park, uh, Pearl? And she's like, just park in the driveway. He's not gonna know. <laughs> what are you talking, he's not gonna know? She's like, he's not gonna notice. I'm like, what do you want me to do with my shoes? There's 30 pairs of shoes in the entry. I'm like, what do you want me to do with my shoes? She's like, he's not gonna know. I'll just put my shoes on the pile. Then we went and hid in his uh, bonus room and Andy comes in, walks on the street past like cars that didn't belong to him that weren't normally there. <laughs> past the driveway with a bunch of cars that also didn't belong to him. Couldn't get the door open because there's so many shoes in the door. Crammed the door open. Takes his shoes off, stumbles through the shoes, puts them on the pile, walks into the bonus room and has four simultaneous heart attacks and we're like, surprise! How's this a thing? My favorite story to preach is when Andy pulled up one time with his wife and kids in the car to a railroad track and he, he pulls up and there's a train and so the arms are down and all the bells and whistles and noise and Andy falls asleep. Like he's tired, so he falls asleep. He used to work like a night shift and he falls asleep in, the, in, the, in his van and he wakes up. Now, now Andy doesn't wake up because Andy, I'm gonna preach about this in a minute. Andy was like a seven minute mile kind of a guy. Which means like Andy was always out of breath. And so I'll, I'll explain it in a minute here. And Andy wakes up. He doesn't have 10 seconds when he wakes up when your brain is like, don't do anything stupid. 
Like, the dream wasn't real. You know what I mean? Like, don't say, don't say anything or do anything. Just breathe. Just breathe. It's a miracle. Just breathe for 10 seconds. You know what I mean? Andy wakes up, sees a train, puts it in reverse, hits the gas, right into this guy behind him, just drove a brand new truck off the lot. Boom! A friend of his. Boom! Freaks out, puts it in drive, just about hits the train. Oh, the story's not over. The devil thought the story was over, but there's still Sunday morning. Puts it in reverse, backs up, hits him again. He gets out of his truck and he's like, Andy, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Andy? Goodbye, smooth criminal. I'm going to be talking about the difference today between a seven minute mile person and a seven mile walk person because the um, Mary was unaware of Jesus, which I think we all are at times, but at least she was in the place where Jesus was. But Peter and John, they went home and, and we pick up this account and, and Luke records another story that says that same day, two of Jesus followers, that same day on resurrection morning, uh, two Jesus followers were walking to the village of Emmaus seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. So they're walking along. If you've read the story, Jesus shows up and walks with them. But, but they're walking along on this seven mile journey, seven mile, that word, the seven was just in my mind all week, it's a seven mile journey. And they're talking about, they're in a tough spot because their master has just been killed and uh, Rome killed them. And um, the Jewish people are like hot, on their heels, like, you know, like, they're in a bad spot. And when your master, the master of a religion dies, most of the time the religion dies. Except for this, this master rose from the grave. You know, the early church experienced persecution, and this is where Christianity kind of, the road takes, it's another road. Because there's a lot of religions that are like, believe this way to be saved, whatever that looks like in a religion. But with Jesus, we're not saying that. The early church couldn't have gone through the persecution it went through. They were, what they were doing was talking about a relationship with the risen Savior that they had. Like, come and meet Jesus right here, right now. He is alive. He is not dead. This is not an old religion with a set of beliefs. This is a person, the Son of Heaven, who saves us and adopts us and is risen from the dead. I mean, that's all the difference in the world. But this, this seven mile, this seven, I realized, you know what? We're seven minute mile people. I don't know how you are. Maybe you're like in super shape and you're like, I could run a mile in five minutes. First of all, shut up. <laughs> you don't get this body running five minute miles. Everybody. You get it eating five hamburgers. I went home from church last night getting ready for you guys. I'm like, I'm hungry. We went to McDonald's. So you don't get this body in a seven minute mile. That's a lot. I don't have patience for a like seven mile walk. When was the last time you walked somewhere for seven miles? You know, like seven minute drive for me is a lot. You know, in a seven minute drive, in seven minutes, you might have one thought that's not really, really dumb. <laughs> Come on now. Every time that I pull up at a stoplight in town, do you know what I think? I say this out loud, my kids are in there. We need an overpass here, I don't have time for this. <laughs> my life, I'm too important, time is short, and we need an over... <laughs> I'm preaching it. We need 50 overpasses in town, Mr. Mayor. And we don't want taxes to go up. Just work it out. 
I don't have time for like stop at a stoplight. And I'm thinking seven mile walk, that's a long time. But I think we're a seven, I think we're, we're a seven minute mile society now. We're not playing a long game anymore. I don't think we're even thinking about where the end product goes or where the road is supposed to go and our destiny. And I don't know that we're looking further than seven minutes most of the time, you know, and, and when, when, who's a seven minute mile sort of a person? Like my personality is a seven minute mile. Like I'm, I'm here now, man. You got my attention now. Like, let's do this. But then I'm like, oh, I'm out of breath. Oh, that was a lot. Uh, Pastor Aaron was a seven minute mile gal when I met her. She, she'd attempt like 50 things in a day. You know, I'm like, I don't know anybody who could actually do 50 and she couldn't like finish anything, you know, in a day. She'd like start 50 things in a day and just like feel busy and stuff, you know. I think pre-COVID, that's what we were like, right? Like just busy, 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 running around with your head chopped off. Like, hey, I'm important, you know. How, how are you? You're like, nobody is ever like, oh, no, I got lots of time. I'm good, actually. You want to hang out? You want a coffee? My dad was a seven mile walk. Who knows Pastor Rich, my dad, he's retired now. And so he works for free. <laughs> my, my dad, he's amazing. He's a seven mile walk kind of a guy. He used to walk to work. I mean, it was like, I don't know, maybe seven blocks away. He would walk there, like walk there, walk home for lunch, walk back. Walk. I think if you'd walk like a little bit every now and again, I think maybe you'd kind of think a little and slow down and pray evaluate. I mean, some of you should try thinking. <laughs> I'm a seven, like my dad can go all day and he's old. <laughs> so, so old. I mean, my dad and his team painted this church. Yeah. He should be, he should be alive. <laughs> he could just, he just got this thing and he just goes and he could, man, me, like I like, I just get there, and if you can keep up with me, good luck. And my staff is like, oh my goodness, he got, he got that look in his eye, like, go, 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 go. But then I'm like, oh, time out, I'm out. And I go lie down and have a nap. My dad, while I'm having a nap, my dad is still working. He is still working. I mean, I'm fast and good looking, but he just work all day, my dad. He just work all day. You know, I, I, I think what we've done, the seven minute mile sort of concept, what we're doing is we're so out of breath, that our brains are starved of oxygen and uh, we're starting to overestimate what can be done in the short time. I mean, how many kids now like want to be YouTube stars? Like, we didn't have you. We didn't have anything. We had a YouTube star. We wanted to like get a job. <laughs> right? It's just like we, we overestimate what can be done in the short time because we're not playing a long game. We underestimate what God could do in the long term. And the enemy has got us running these seven minute miles and just recuperating, then getting up and running again and then recuperating. I don't think the miles are actually going ahead. I think we end up where we started most of the time and then run again, just one big circle. And then end up where we were, you know. This is what happens to seven, seven minute mile people. We overextend ourselves and then we start getting trapped. Now, um, I, I, I got to hang out with my pastor Peter in Minneapolis last week and uh, he just... Uh, Pastor Peter is a, Peter Haas from Substance Church, he's a, he's a seven mile walk kind of a guy. He is thoughtful. He wrote an article at the beginning of all this crazy that I'm like, oh my goodness. The intelligence and the revelation from God and he's a, I was sitting there eating a, a meal there and he was, he was there with some, a couple American pastors and I noticed that when he would say something, it's just like everything he says, there's something to it. And I would just listen. And I gave him a hug, you know, the next day. I'm like, 
Look, at home, I, I talk all the time. Like, I'm Irish. I'm good at it. But I'm leading, right? I'm leading. I'm talking. I'm, I'm like, here, I, maybe you think that I don't talk or don't speak English or something. I'm like, I'm just, I'm still, listen, I'm just still thinking about what you said last night. I'm still just working it out. You know, and it is good. Thank you, Arm. I'm just working it out. But it's funny, every time he'd say something, then these two other guys who were great pastors, they would just like talk about the things that they knew. And they're, they're there for mentorship, and I'm there for mentorship. And I just realized, like, maybe I want to be a seven-mile walk person like he is. Just, that thought, just the thoughtfulness, the slow down. The, he was talking about rituals. And, like, you need rituals in your life because rituals bring confidence. And rituals, like, we have a ritual in the morning. We read the, our Bibles every morning. You're like, what does the Bible have to do with today? The Bible doesn't understand pressure. You should try reading it. Because literally every situation they're dealing with is worse than yours, you know. But I'm like, and then, and start like importing those words and acting on those words and doing what love is supposed to do and, and letting it go inward. You know, people with these rituals of discipline, it turns us inward a little bit, not in a selfish sense, but in an evaluating sense. Where, where you like take a breath and just slow down a little bit. And like these rituals of like reading the Bible, then we pray and then we listen to worship music and then we... And in the car, we try to, you know, connect with God and connect with, and we're just realizing it's the rituals that give us the security. I feel like that's it. The security to start questioning yourself sometimes. Because I feel like you can run up, but you get so starved of oxygen, you're just running, 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 running. And then what happens is you make a decision with no oxygen in your brain. That's like a long-term decision, really. Anybody sign your kid up to sports? To all of them? Right, and then what do you do? Well, next year you got to do the same thing, and then you got to add more to it, and then you got to. And we're running a seven-minute mile, and then we're like, <gasps> "Quick, before you think, we'll do another thing." And and I'm gonna show you what what we do there. But I just realized, like, we get the security when we slow. We become seven-mile walk people. We get the security to start questioning our own emotions, our own thoughts, uh, our own what we're spending our time, our own priorities. You actually start, you get the security to slow down and to actually be like, I don't know if I was thinking right about that thing. We give ourselves the permission to be wrong without having to go out and make another wrong decision to prove that the first one wasn't wrong. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. The seven minute mile, they make a dumb decision, then make another one. Here's what happens. We invest so quickly in that seven minute mile, we invest so quickly in the wrong thing that it creates adrenaline in our soul and then we got to go buy the next thing on top of the first thing to prove that the first one was right and it creates this addiction to adrenaline because then now you got to run now you got like you got four kids in four hockey teams and you got and you're running and you're running and you're running and you're running and you got to keep running because if you ever got off of that adrenaline you'd have to start thinking and it's gonna hurt you know what i mean so we start stacking bad investments um and then we have this momentum of bad decisions and then the adrenaline makes it impossible to stop and pull back and to do the thing that we have not become good at in society today and that's cutting our losses. And being like, I am not gonna throw any more at that. God, what is it that I am missing in my life? You know, you pull your kids out of church to put them in sports. I'm like, in 10 years, church is gonna be about the only thing that you're gonna wish that they were in. Cause they're gonna hang out with all the, and you're like, I could have put them in here where they get the message that I'm trying to preach at home. And they get it here with youth and with Sunday school and with, and they're getting life lessons and they're learning about relationships and they're learning about it God's way. And they're learning about the only things that work, which is the way that God designed you. 
Come on, say amen, Vinny Church. It's God's destiny for you. It's a seven-mile versus a seven-minute mile idea. Um, I want to be a seven. I want to be a. I want to be a seven-mile walk church. Yeah, I was thinking because we we just planted like five years ago, and we have a building that we own, which is incredible. I mean, but listen, listen. We could have got more people in in church. I can give out free beer and get way more people. Here. I mean, the mayor would be here. I mean, everybody would be. Here. We could get more bodies. He knows it. I'm not going to make eye contact right now. We can get more bodies in the room, but I want a seven-mile walk church. I want a church that's going to be here for your grandkids. So that your grandkids are here on this stage singing praise to God and choosing songs that you're going to hate. And I'm going to be like, I'm over it because my grandkids, I don't care. I'm just going to, we're going to keep it fresh. And we're... I want a seven-mile walk church that's going to be here to set people free from the power of the enemy in the world today. I want, I want a seven-mile, I want one that's going to be here and affect the city for good. Not something that's like a flash in the pan and then we all do something stupid. You know what I mean? And then it goes away. The, hope, the light in the city goes out. No. You know what I was thinking about this? This, this, this? The number thing was in my head. Seven miles. It takes about 100 minutes to walk seven miles. 100 minutes. When was the last time you took 100 unbroken minutes from... hundred minutes. Some of you don't even know what hundred minutes is. It's like five Netflix shows. Somebody needs to put on a whole series of Netflix and then just go up to your room and leave it on the television downstairs and don't watch it and be like, for as long as this goes, I'm going to just stop my life. A hundred minutes. These guys were on the road for like a hundred minutes. That hundred, like a hundred, what would a hundred minutes do? When was the last time you took 100 minutes before you bought that thing that you're going to take 10 years to pay off or 50? 100 minutes. I see people who won't take 100 minutes to stop. 100 minutes to stop and make decisions that next fall are going to eat up hundreds and hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars. That as soon as you make that commitment, then you're just going to keep stacking bad stuff on it. And another commitment and another commitment rather than this is what this is what this is. I believe if you put the big rocks in your life first, imagine you have a pail and there's only so much room in it and you put the big rocks in first, like God, family, go on, I mean the big rocks, things that matter. Things that one day that's all that you're gonna care about. But what we're doing now is we're taking all the little rocks of like this club and that thing and that one. We take all the little rocks, we put them in first. Try it sometime. If you put all the little rocks in first, you can't get the big rocks in after. You lose the big rocks, they fall out. But if you put the big rocks in, and then you put the little rocks in, you can get it all in there. Because one has the grace of God on it and the other does not. Just try it sometime. It's an experiment. And I feel like it's this like 100 minute thing. If you don't think, you know, the best decisions that Pastor Aaron and I ever made for our family weren't decisions of things that we did. It was decisions of things that we didn't do. It was like, no, 100 minutes. In the moment, I'm like, no, our kids got to, no, we got to. 100 minutes later, I'm like, yeah, no, maybe, maybe not. But that, how would that affect them going to youth? And how would that affect God's purpose in their life? Because my kids aren't tall. They're not going to play basketball. You know what I mean? Like, how would, no, no, seriously. Like the long play. The long play. If I want my kids to go further than I ever did, we, we got to start making some long play decisions here. 100 minutes. 100 minutes. Um, look, put 100 minutes in an argument the next time. 
Look, you just said something crazy. I know you. Your wife talks to me. I know you. If you want to say something crazy, just say it in 100 minutes. You can, you can still say the same stupid thing if you want to. Just come back 100 minutes later. But I'll bet you by then you're like, that's a little crazy. I need to take all my exclamation marks. Man, when I'm in an argument, I'm like all caps and exclamation marks. And it's not like, it's like everything, Aaron, you did. It's, it's always like I was, yeah, if I'd give it 100 minutes, I'll bet you'd be like, you know, sometimes. And maybe, you know, maybe I just made that. I don't like losing arguments, everybody. It's not my spiritual gift. <laughs> Two disciples, 100 painful minutes. Questioning, wrestling, sweating, fearing, pushing, pulling, praying, disagreeing, but then coming together. 100 painful minutes on the road. I think that some of you came to Christ very softly. You didn't take 100 minutes to come and wrestle with it all. I, I was a pastor's kid, and I wrestled with that relationship. with it. I'm like, where are you? I, I wrestled with it. I, I went on 100-minute walks. I just... It's a relationship. It takes time. You got to wrestle through your doubts and your fears. God is bigger than all of that. But if you don't ever wrestle with it, you just come to like, just slap a bandaid on it. You don't go through the hardship of it. I mean, somebody, somebody said, you lost somebody. You got to wrestle with like, where's God in that? If God is good, then we realize God didn't break the world, but he's saving the world. But, and there's still hope in heaven. And you got to wrestle all that out. It says, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Why would God, a loving God do that? And I realized, because they needed 100 minutes with him. They needed 100 minutes. Um, if you, 100 minutes, you, you draw the bow back a little further, and then your arrow goes where it needs to go. Some of our arrows aren't getting out of our yard right now. Because it, we're seven minutes, man, we can't, we've got no lung. <laughs> That's why it's not effective. That's why our lives aren't effective. And uh, he asked them, what, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Now, like, they're already on 100 minutes without Netflix journey. And they stopped short. Sadness written across there. They let themselves feel emotion. Like, we're sad. We don't know what to do. We're confused. We're, they were working it out. Here's what I felt like. You can stop short on that 100-minute walk if you want to. Like, if you're going in the wrong direction, keep... Walking further in the wrong direction, not going to help you. You might as well stop. You might as well stop and pray and think and get some advice from people who are where God wants them to be. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard all the things that have happened there in the last few days. And Jesus says, what things? <laughs> Jesus ever say that to you? Like, what, do, what things? Because he doesn't know, right? Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you need to say it. Just to get the crazy out. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a, a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. And Jesus is like, Jesus, like about my height, <laughs> my weight, beard. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hope. He was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. For three days, like, we don't know. We're like post-hope. Yeah. Salvation is coming to somebody today who's like post-losing it all. Yeah. Like, we had hope, and it didn't work out. And now what? Yeah. 
Then some women from our group of followers were at his tomb early this morning. They came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they've seen angels who told him Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see because we can't really trust the women because they're not detail oriented like we are. And sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. Your wife can tell you you should wash your car for a month. Like your car's a mess, you should wash it. And then your buddy's like, you're like, no, it's fine. And then your buddy's like, you should wash your car. And I'm like, I should wash my car. And Jesus said to them, it's because our intelligences are so evolved. <laughs> Aaron, where's the thing in the pantry? I can't find the peanut butter. It's uh, the third row down. Uh, it's not here. It's not here. She's like, if I got to get up, it's there. I just put it there. I'm like, it's not here. Somebody moved it. It's there. She will walk across the house and she's like, it's right there. It's where I said it was. Your hand is on it. I'm like, no, somebody just put it there. Come Come on up, worship team. Jesus said, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe that all the, the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted the Messiah would have to suffer before entering his glory? Some of you want the glory, but you don't want the cross. Some of you want your kids to reach their destiny, but you don't want to pay the price. You want the relationship with God, but you don't want to do what it would take. As little as it is, you don't want to do it. He had to suffer before entering his glory. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and the prophets in a hundred minutes explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself by the time they got to Emmaus and the end of their journey Jesus acted as if he were going on here's what I want to say to you you got to take a hundred minutes because if you're walking a little bit slower that window of opportunity because there's only a window that window it's bigger when you're walking slower if you're running and you can't breathe and you can't you pass it and you miss the window of opportunity He acted as if he were going on. This is an awkward moment for guys. If it was girls, they'd be just like, oh, come on over, honey. We're doing makeovers. We're doing do a pajama party. We're doing it. For guys, this is weird. We're like, we don't want it to end, but we're guys. We can't say it. So we're like, so they said, they begged him, stay the night with us. Like Peter and John, they left and we heard about it and they left and they didn't see, but they're like, stay the night. Like, come home with us. It's getting late. Like, we'll make nachos. You like Call of Duty? We have Call of Duty. Like, just don't leave. There's something about this that can't end right now. So he went home with them. Some of you don't want Jesus in your home because you haven't vacuumed. Some of you don't own vacuums, single men. Don't vacuum before Jesus shows up. He is the vacuum. He is the vacuum. That's powerful. Jesus is the vacuum. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open. This is the moment that somebody's going to have today. And they recognized him. And that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? As he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. Somebody needs to take a seven mile walk with Jesus. A hundred minutes. Because a seven minute mile will burn your lungs out. But your heart won't be on fire in a hundred minutes with Jesus he'll somebody can feel it right now it hasn't been a hundred minutes you can feel right now there's this spirit of God the spirit of fire drawing you a seven-minute mile person their lungs are burning but their hearts are not on fire if you take a hundred minutes this Easter with Jesus you would find that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead that same Jesus who walked seven miles would walk with you 
In fact, he might already be walking with you and you don't know. He might, if you, if you look in the eyes of a two-year-old, you can see it sometimes, but you gotta have your eyes open. There's this, it's the same Jesus, the same one that if you confess your sins, he is still faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He is still the God of the grave. Come on, menu church, on your feet. He's still the God who overcomes. He is still the God who overcame death in the grave. He is still the God of the resurrection.